You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Amen. Okay. How do you, how do you, how do you come do something after that? The endless, the endless supply of water from the jug. That was, that was amazing. That was amazing. Okay. Well, it's a pleasure to bring uh, God's Word uh, this morning. And uh, the reading this morning, oh, it's quite loud. The reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 17. It's up on the screen there, or you can follow along in your Bible. So, for Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for Jesus, who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Amen. Amen. So that was, that, that was, that was amazing what Jess was doing there, talking about God's love. And I'm going to be talking a wee bit about love in action following on from that this morning. But it's actually quite funny because yesterday uh, Fiona and I were taking our kids to uh, the swimming pool for swimming lessons and uh, we dropped them off and then we thought, well, we'll go and get some, uh, some breakfast, we'll love some breakfast. So we decided to walk to, to Tim Hortons to get breakfast, they've got a breakfast deal going, so we thought we'd go to Tim Hortons and meanwhile I got a text from Tom, have you got a title uh, for, the, for the message? And I'm thinking, no, I don't. And normally I like, I like coming up with cunning titles and I thought, I haven't got one. Or maybe I'll think of one in the walk to Tim Hortons. No, nothing was coming. Then I sat down, I thought, I'll order my, uh, my, my breakfast wrap and maybe that'll give me inspiration. Nope. But it can't be breakfast without a hot beverage. So then I thought, it's just not right. So I thought, if you know me well, my hot beverage of choice is hot chocolate. So I was like, I'm compelled to get this hot chocolate. And I thought, yes. That's it, Christ's Compelling Commission. That's the, the title for today, if you like titles. But anyway, so, so verse 14 in this, uh, for Christ's love compels us. See, Jesus with us, holding our hand. He's with us in these acts of love. And he holds us and he, he possesses us and he confines us and restricts us and supports us and guides us. That's, that, that's what that word means there. And, and, and to help us do what we should do to be honoring to God in every situation. You see, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about Jesus, which is the opposite from the values in society. In society, and in you know, societal values are, it's all about me. It's about me, what, what my rights, my needs, what I want, and it doesn't matter who we trample on, but that's the opposite. You know, Jesus and the kingdom, the values of the kingdom, it's countercultural. You see, Jesus' love is sacrificial, it's giving, it's a love that's unconditional, it's a love that's unending, it's a love that's universal. is isn't just affection or a feeling, but rather it's a love based on an attitude of appreciation resulting from a conscious evaluation of choice. You see, God chose you. He chose you. He loves you and he wants you to be set free. God wants you to be the very best version of yourself, who he created you to be. In Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, we read, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Following on from what Jess was saying, fill a life filled with love, 
following the example of Christ because he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You see, we too are called to walk in that way of love, a love based on a a sincere appreciation and high regard with affection and concern for others. Love that's not just a feeling, a love that is based in action because as we, verse, verse 14, uh, it, you know, Christ's love compels us. And that got me thinking. Got me thinking of a question. How many times in the Bible is the phrase Christ's love or the love of Christ, because it's the same in Greek, how many times is that mentioned in the Bible? So what do you think? Come on, shout it. It's not rhetorical. Come on. Let's get some interaction. How many times, how many times do you think it's mentioned? Six. Wait, any other number? Fifty. Fifty. 30? 75? Okay, I see Ruben got his hand up there. Three! That's the right answer. (laughs) And that's not a plant, honest. Uh, But yeah, it's only mentioned three times, which is fascinating. So it's here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. It's also mentioned in Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, where where Christ's love surpasses human knowledge. It's beyond human knowledge. It's beyond human wisdom. It's from God himself. And the third time it's mentioned is in Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Shall trouble, shall hardship, shall persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or war, or COVID? Nope, nothing, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Praise God. Verse 14 continues, because, and and Paul says, because we are convinced, not just Paul, but the community of faith, we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. You see, Jesus died for you. He died for me. And as a result, we don't live for ourselves, for our own wants and our needs, but rather consider Jesus, consider others, consider that Jesus died for you. And that's the great news this morning, the good news this morning. He died for you, but he's not dead. He's alive. He's risen and calling your name. What is he saying to you this morning? He's speaking. What's he saying? See, it's this ongoing desire for evangelism, Christ's compelling commission, that drives the Apostle Paul here, convinced that one died for all. And this this commission that Jesus gave him is the same commission that he's given us, to reach out to those around us, being Jesus, being love, demonstrating the resurrection power of salvation, the good news of forgiveness and restoration that are found in Jesus alone. Jesus is the one who died for all and therefore all died. But how have all died? Well, in Romans 3.23 we read, all have sinned, have done wrong, and have fallen short of the glory of God and therefore deserve death. But the good news is, choosing to follow Jesus means life. It means forgiveness. It means, like we're singing, healing. It means transformation, reconciliation. We can become the new creation, as we read in verse 17, wherever, yeah, verse 17, where we see that. You know, new creation. You see, that's the thing, is the old has gone and the new has come. And that's God's heart for you today. The old has gone, the new has come. Live in freedom that you have in Jesus. The past is gone, the new has come. In Romans 6, verse 11, we read, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The new has come. 
See, Paul is saying that Jesus' love compels us to love, to think about others as Jesus sees them, not as the world sees them, but to see God's handiwork in each and every person, in yours and mine, that you are precious to God, that he loves you and he has a plan for your life today and tomorrow and in the future. It's in his hands. See, Christ's compelling commission is this, reaching out to all those in need with the kindness and compassion and love of Jesus, sharing the good news, thinking you know, of Jesus' commission to us, which I'm sure we all know. Therefore, go and make all disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you even until the end of the age. And that gives us confidence. It gives us confidence. And what's fascinating is if you look back to the early church and the early Christians, they devoted themselves to this Christ-compelling commission, living a life of love, thinking about those in need, devoting themselves to sacrificial acts of kindness, loving their enemies, forgiving those who persecuted them, caring for the poor, feeding the hungry. Even in the brutality of being under Roman rule, they were the most stunningly different people anyone had ever seen. To such an extent, that the, uh, their influence was so surprising that the fourth century Emperor Julian feared that they might take over the entire Roman Empire. That, that's the power of the Spirit. But the early Christians not only proclaimed the mercy of God, they demonstrated it. They not only fed the poor, but they welcomed everyone, all comers, regardless of ethnicity, Jew, Greek, or Gentile, regardless of social status, slave or free, regardless of gender, regardless of age, they were a missional movement. And what's interesting is, is it got me thinking, there's, there's, there's this communication theory that says um, when predictability is high, impact is low. In other words, when you know what somebody's going to say, then you don't really take too much consideration of what they're saying. But if they say something intriguing or inspiring or challenging, that makes you think and ponder it a bit more. So that got me thinking. So here's a wee exercise then. Up, down, left, Right, yep. North, south, east. And I'm glad you answered that because the men are going on a walk next week and if we don't know the points of the compass, we will get lost. But thankfully not, we know that one. And you know, here's, here's another one. Um, without vision, the people, well, they actually, they don't. They don't actually. They cast off restraint, which is why modern translations translate it as cast off restraint. It's the same verb that's used uh, in the scenario of the, the golden calf. You can speak to me about that later if you like. But the point here is, is uh, you know, is, 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 is we're compelled to operate out the love that Jesus has for us, not to be predictable, to have that high impact. And if we operate in the world in the power of the Spirit, bringing the kingdom of God in, it's countercultural. It's not what people expect. You're caring about other people and not just yourself. It's surprising. And that's the power of bringing the kingdom in in the spirit of God. Jesus loved bringing that into each situation we find ourselves. And so being missional, that's bringing the kingdom with us into the situations we find ourselves. And if we can make that a habit, then it becomes part of who we are, being recognized as followers of Jesus, not just another person. Uh, who's following the line of society, being countercultural. So how do we change our behavior? Is it through reading books? Is it through you know, self-help guides? No, it's through the Spirit of God indwelling us and changing us from the inside out. And by changed from the inside out, that changes our thinking. It changes what we say. It changes our behavior. 
And that is the power of transformation. And so it got me thinking very briefly, you know, what habits could we do to, to help, um, you know, be honoring to God and a blessing to others? And so I thought, well, being a disciple is a bit like having L plates up. We're all disciples. We don't get it right all the time. But with Jesus' forgiveness and grace, we continue on. But we're like having an L plate. It's like being a disciple. So then I thought, three L's. We'll briefly talk about three L's of the practicalities. So lunch, because we've got lunch coming. I like my food. Listening and learning. So lunch, lunch. We're having fellowship lunch today. A chance to eat together, to talk together, share our testimonies and everything else. You know what? You are welcome to come. Not in a Maui, what can I say except you're welcome. Not in that, but you are welcome to come and join us in the lunch today. And you know what? Having that meal together, they did it in the early church, and it's transformational. It's an opportunity to, to, to get to know people and share our testimonies of what God has done, which is why the Alpha course has, you know, a lunch, you know, a meal as part of it, because it's a great way to have conversations uh, over, over meals. And what's interesting is, is there's this great missiologist um, called uh, Alan Hirsch, and what he says is this, I love this, sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. He goes on to say, missional hospitality is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God. You like this one? We can literally eat our way into the kingdom of God. Oh yes, a reason for another cake, another dessert. But you know, because we're using food as a, as a means of getting people together, having a conversation and then sharing, you know, this is what God's saying to me. And this is what he could be saying to you. And if every Christian household brought one person into their house every week, we would literally change the world by eating. And by doing that, that will help create and, and foster our capacity for hospitality. Secondly, listening. So we've got lunch. We're listening. Listening. Listening can be tough. I don't know where Fiona is, but of course I listen to everything my wife Fiona says. And I listen to everything that Tom says. Uh, but, you know, but, the, but I'm not really talking about listening to you know, your spouse or, or, or Tom, although we should do these things. Um, what I'm saying is about listening to the Spirit of God. What's the Spirit of God saying to you? What's he saying to you today? And you know, when, quite often when people ask me, you know, how, do you, how do you talk about this? How do you listen to the Spirit of God? And so I go back to childhood and I think, you know, when I was growing up, uh, for, for us, a big thing was going up to the big city, the city of Glasgow, that was a big thing. So we used to get organized, get down to the ferry, take the ferry over, get the train all the way up to Glasgow Central Station. And, uh, you know, and that was a big thing, you know, going to the barras, if anyone remembers the barras, you know, the barras are bitter, you know, that sort of thing. But, but, but the fascinating thing is, is, is being in the train station, I'm sure you've been in Glasgow Central or a place like that, where it's the hustle and bustle, there's the chaos of everyone going everywhere. And it's loud and it's, it's distracting. But the thing is, is this, is the Tannoy announcement isn't background noise and irrelevant. It's significant for taking you on the right journey. And that is like listening to the Spirit of God. It's not background noise and irrelevant. You, you just tune in and tune out the other stuff and listen in. And that is when you start going the direction that God has for you. So set time aside. Eliminate distractions. Let God in. Receive rather than demand with a list of you know, prayer points. You know, Follow God's prompting. If we do that, we'll be increasingly spirit-led. And finally, what the point? So we had lunch, we had listening, we've got learning. You know, spending time to learn about Jesus. Reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in the New Testament. Thinking about, what, you know, what did Jesus do? How did he operate? How can we be that like that in our lives, in our situations? 
And as we start thinking about who Jesus was and what he did, we're called, we're commissioned to do what he did, to pray for the sick, to, to help the needy, and to love those who are loveless. There's a lot of things out there that can help you be prompted. You can get these bracelets. I don't know if you've seen any. You know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You look at the bracelet and it gets you thinking, oh, what would Jesus do in this situation? Or another one is frog, fully rely on God. I had to look that one up, you know. Uh, and another one that's quite popular, apparently, which I, had to, I didn't know about this one either, is uh, push. Pray until something happens. But I've got good news for you this morning. Whenever you pray, something always happens. Your loving Heavenly Father is always listening. He is always listening and cares whatever it is that you're coming and bringing to Him because He cares about the small and the big. Anything in your life, He cares about it because He cares for you. So if we learn to be like Christ, we'll be more Christ-like. So what does the reign of God look like as we bring that in? Reconciliation, justice, beauty, wholeness, forgiveness, acceptance. You see, as we see ourselves as being sent, being commissioned by Christ, being commissioned by Jesus, we then bring Jesus into our neighborhood, into our workplace, into our family, into our school, and we see the kingdom of God break through. We see work situations change, family situations change. We see God moving in a way beyond our imagination. So this is all fashioned into discipleship, being like Jesus, encouraging one another to be like him. So let's encourage each other. Let's build one another up. Let's share our testimonies over lunch, which we're going to in a minute. Let's, Let's do that and see what God is doing in our lives, in your lives, in our lives together, in this place, in this church, in this town, in this nation. So in closing, Christ's compelling commission is calling. It's calling you. It's your mission, should you choose to accept it. Amen.